Glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. Thanks for coming to see our babies, your babies. I know why you're here. I promise we didn't intentionally pick the opening day of gun season to have baby dedication Sunday, Paul. <laughs> oh, Glad you're here. Man, I am going to trip on this microphone. I'm used to a headset, and it's broken, so I'm going to see what happens today. But we, uh, we're really glad you're here. We've got a great day um, ahead of us. If you, if you don't know about our baby dedication service, it's quite a bit different than some churches. I'm kind of proud of that in some ways. Um, we, uh, it's really not a baby dedication service as much as it is a parent dedication service, truthfully. Um, we don't believe that there's anything that uh, we're doing today that's going to save these babies um, for eternity. We don't believe there's anything we're doing that we're not going to put anything on them, sprinkle anything on them. We're not going to do anything other than to say to God, we want these babies to be raised the way you intended. But we know what that means. That means this is a parent dedication day and a grandparent dedication day and an aunt day, and an uncle day, and a neighbor day, and a church guy that sits in the third row day. That's the kind of day this is today, okay? Um, this is about all of us um, doing better for these kids. When I was a kid, um, I was that, I still kind of am, I have to fight it all the time. I was the, hey, watch this kid. Have you seen, have you, you know those kids? Those, hey, hey, watch this, because you constantly need somebody to go, oh, you're so good at that, or you're so good. I was totally the, hey, watch this kid. And I have great parents. It wasn't about that. I was just that kid. And it was a, hey, watch while I jump off of this and break my leg, or it was, hey, watch me do this magic trick that you really can see exactly what I'm doing. It was always a, hey, watch this. But the older I got, um, the less I needed to do that. And then when I had my own kids, um, the, hey, watch this all surfaced again, but it wasn't about me. I was going, hey, mom, watch London. <laughs> Hey, 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 Dad, check out what Reese is reading now. He's only five. Hey, hey, check this out. Hey, watch this. And, and today, today, this is a watch this moment for you parents and grandparents in the, in the house today to go, hey, God, watch this. Watch the way we love you. Watch the way we love our kids. Watch us stop for a moment in our lives, stop everything, and just say we're going to get our priorities right, at least when it revolves around this little one. So whatever, whatever reason you're here, um, wherever you would like to be, um, <clears throat> dear Stan, um, wherever, whatever you are doing this morning, um, and, and, and whatever you're here this morning, I want you to know that God knew you'd be here, and that no matter what you believe, no matter how you're feeling today, you have come into the right place, um, and uh, we've got a pretty special day ahead of us. So I want to give you a chance to get a deep breath today. It's something we do every week, um, just a, a chance to kind of get your priorities right, to get straight. Um, this happens to me. I, I'm just so fortunate. I pray for this deep breath every evening. And when I get home, I get that quick deep breath when my kids jump on me. Um, and uh, so if your kids are in your lap or if they're around or whatever today, let them jump on you. If they make a little noise, let them make some noise. Um, it's part of getting us some perspective. So let's pray together and then we'll just jump right into our message today. God, we thank you for the way that you take care of us. Thank you for those little noises in this room. God, we, we choose today to stop the things in our lives, the good, the bad, everything. We choose right now to pause 
which we don't do very often. And God, I pray that you would give us some perspective in this place, that you would kind of sweep into this room today. There are many of us in this room who have doubts about whether you exist. There are some of us in this room that know you exist or feel like you exist, but would rather you not because we're so angry in some way. And there's a lot of us in this space today who know and have been shown over and over who you are, and we choose to live like you don't exist. And so we all pause today to get a restart. Pray you would give us perspective, that peace, that hole in our lives that we try to fill with other things. God, would you give us today, would you give us a look at it and on what, of what really fills it? God, we thank you for your, for your son, and we thank you for the hope that comes from knowing you in your son's name. Amen. Starting a series today called All In, and I can't think of a better Sunday to start a series like this than Baby Dedication Sunday. Um, because like I said, I don't believe this is about baby dedication. I believe this is about adults dedicating <laughs> to doing the right thing, to moving forward um, in their baby's lives. And we start the series called All In that is going to take us through the first of the year. It's actually, we're going to take a couple breaks around Christmas and Thanksgiving and those kinds of things. This is the series that's going to take us through the first of the year and into, if you haven't heard yet, what we're doing around here in January. We're starting um, a new effort. This is not a sermon series. It's not something we do on Sundays. It's going to take us through 2014. The entire year of 2014 is um, our theme around here is stronger. And we're going to get stronger in five ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, um, and financially. We're all getting stronger in these five ways. We have a new website coming up. I'm working with programmers right now that's going to help you. You'll be able to log in and track your own progress. Nobody else can track it unless you want them to. Um, But you'll be able to track your own progress. You'll be able to have every day these things that will help you along your way um, as we get stronger. And so that's part of Part of that effort is going all in, and if you're, if you're here and you're, you're kind of visiting with us, or maybe you're, you're kind of kicking the tires on the Jesus thing, or maybe your girlfriend or your husband drug you here, I know how it goes, um, whatever it is, um, then I, I just want you to, to stop for a minute. Maybe you looked at this and go, all in, isn't that like a poker, like a car playing turn? That's not what I expected to see at church, but I want you to know, yeah, that is what I'm thinking. Now, there's a book called All In, and it looks a whole lot like this, and I've got some of my ideas out of it. It's by a guy named Mark Batterson, and if you want to know more about it, you can look him up and grab this book. But truthfully, I, I've read some of his thoughts, and some of them I like, some of them I don't. I'm going to use some of them, but I'm going to apply them to us as we talk about what it means to be all in. And I want you to know that if you're, if you're sort of, if you consider yourself not a religious person, but maybe a God person, maybe a faith person, and you have, you're not a religious person because you have been hit upside the head, maybe literally, by too many religious people in your life. Maybe at some point, over and over and over, as you run into Christian people or people who have professed a faith, that you have said, I don't know who God is or what he is, but I want to be as far from that person as possible, so I'm going to walk away from what they say God is. Anybody feel that? You don't have to raise your hand. I know it. I'm a preacher, and I feel it on a regular basis. And my guess is that when you run into those people, and and the Bible talks about it, Jesus talks about it all the time in his ministry, he keeps walking up to people and accusing them of not being all in. And when you walk into somebody, when you step into somebody's life, and they treat you in a way that is not Jesus-like, that is not the way God intends for us to treat, you have just experienced the life of someone who is probably not all in. Someone who, and if you are a Texas Hold'em player, um, 
I'm not going to talk a lot about that today. But if you, if, you are, if you do love to play cards, if you do know what poker is and you know the rules and you know what it's like, you know what all in means. It means everything I have sitting in front of me. Now, you know what all in doesn't mean? It doesn't mean a, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of things. It doesn't mean a certain amount of chips. It means whatever I have. I'm all in. You know what you, you can't say when you're playing poker at the end and you feel like you've got a good hand or you're bluffing really well or whatever it is, you can't look at the guy in front of you and say, I'm all in except for this one token, one, one little chip. Now, you can, you can put all of them out there, but you don't use the word all in because you're not. You can't say, you know what, I'm going to give everything I have except for this little thing. At that point, you're just betting a certain amount. You're not all in. And what I'm asking for today is for those of you who have in your life, over and over and over, found this to be true. You're, you're going to think that I'm, uh, this morning, that I'm uncovering some sort of a church secret. But I want you to know this, that there are many, many Christians in our pews today, many, many people, and even one standing on the stage today, who has found over and over and over in life that it is not easier to be a Christian. That it is not more fun to be a Christian. That at times, it is the harder choice. At times, it is the sacrificial choice. At times, it is the most grueling thing in our life. Now, if I were to end there, we'd all leave here depressed. But truthfully, here's the thing about it today. Partially, it's because we aren't all in. We haven't given our full selves everything we have. We've said to this to God, God, I, I surrender all. That's a song we sing around here a lot. I surrender all except for my checkbook. I surrender all except for my billfold. I surrender all except for my marriage. All to Jesus. I surrender except for sex before marriage because, you know, I'm sort of an older person, and that's okay when you're older, right? It's just for teenagers that we don't do sex before marriage, right? God, I, I surrender all except for that. I surrender all except for this. I surrender all except for this. And I want you to know this morning, if you have ever prayed to God, God, where is the peace? God, where is the, the things that you've promised for those who follow you? And you haven't gone all in, you're missing something. So what 2014 is about around here and what it's about starting today is not just about another sermon series. It's not about just kind of taking some of those things in our lives and giving them to God. It's about going all in. If you've never done it, you're going to get an invitation to over and over again every Sunday. Because here's what I've seen over and over in my life. I would have never preached a sermon like this 10 years ago, ever. But the older I get and the more, um, I don't know if the word is wise or just uh, disillusioned. I'm not sure what the word is. But the more I get, the more I just want to be straight up. And say, you know what, I love you enough to say this. I love you enough to see this. I love you enough that when God says something to me and I'm supposed to be up here talking, I'm going to say something really important because there are better things for you to do if I don't. And here's what I see. I see a prevent defense. Now, if you're a man and you watch football or if you're a woman and you watch football today, you know exactly what I mean about the prevent defense. If you don't, you're going to have to bear with me a bit. Because here's what the prevent defense is in football. This happens every Sunday. It'll happen all day today. What happens is a team, usually an NFL team, sometimes the college teams do this too, they, they get into a situation in the end of the game where they're ahead. They get in a situation where they're ahead. What has driven them, what has got them to that point, has been really good offense and really good defense. And they come to a point where the, the defensive coordinator and the coach or some, some combination of the two say, we need to change what we're doing. 
And instead of being aggressive, instead of being on our toes, instead of trying to, to get the ball and having sort of an offensive defense, we are going to get back on our heels and we're going to let the other team get some yards. We're going to let them get just a little bit of yards. And the whole idea is that we want to give them a little bit of yards. We want to keep the offense in front of us. They, we might even let them score, but it's just going to take them long enough and they don't have enough time on the clock to score enough times to beat us. And you get this mentality. What now? I absolutely hate this. And I am totally that guy that watches the Colts game. You can, wa- you can ask Allison. She was at my house this week. I watched the Colts game, and I coached the whole time, the entire time. If I had, a, if I had I, I so many times want a phone line that will attach to the offensive coordinator's headset, you know? <laughs> hey, guys, John Mitchell says that we should, you know. But I constantly, I just want to say, hey, I, what I hate most about the prevent defense it's not the X's and O's. I, that bothers me a little bit, but it, it does make sense. What I hate most about the pre-print defense is the attitude. This attitude, I brought in this aggressive, we're going to go get the ball, we're going to jump at guys, we're going to make good tackles. You know what you see in guys is they begin re- to get real passive. And I want you to know that I, I, I'm, I'm a preacher, but I'm also a big football fan. And when I see some of the lives, and including my own, I look in the mirror sometimes, when I see some of our lives, I see a prevent defense. Just living defensively. You're back on your heels physically. You're going, well, what do I need to do physically in my life? Well, instead of going, I'm going to be aggressive, I'm going to be stronger tomorrow. I'm going to get exercise. I'm going to get nutrition. I'm going to be the, the physically the kind of person that God wants me to be, you're going, well, what do I have to do just to keep from dying? I've seen it. I'll wait for the doctor to tell me to stop eating eggs. I'll wait for the doctor to tell me to start losing weight. I'll wait for the doctor. I'll wait till it's just the last moment, and I'll do whatever it takes just to stay alive. I've seen it in you. I've had it in me. And I want you to know this morning, that is not the intent for your life. And if you're living a prevent defense physically in your life, you're missing out on the peace and the hope and the joy that comes from being healthy, aggressively healthy. Ask Rick Finney, 31 pounds? <laughs> 31 pounds. And that's, that's not the prevent defense physically, people healthier, happier. Just talk to him after the service. He wells up with tears. I know that's a shocker, but he wells up with tears when he talks about this because there is something different when you're aggressive about your life and about making intentional changes financially. There are many of you in this place today that are in a prevent defense financially. You're just whatever money you get in, you spend. Whatever, whatever comes in, you just, you're just living. You're just making as much as you can out of the day. I'm going to take a vacation because doggone it, I'm tired. And I'm so stressed, and financially I'm so burdened, I'm going to take a vacation. So you put $2,000 on your credit card, you spend all the money in your checking account, and you come back, and guess what? You're more stressed and more financially burdened than you were when you left, and there's a good reason for that. You're playing defense. You're on your heels. We are going to talk about a way around here to play offense, to get aggressive, to move forward, to be stronger with our money. Many of you are doing this with your marriages. You're playing defense relationally. Your marriages, your relationships... Guys, girls, you guys, people in relationships, you don't have to be in a marriage to be playing defense. I know what this is like. I did it. I'm divorced. I spent an entire, my first marriage playing defense. You know what that's like? Honey, how do I look in this dress? Great. And that's just the funny part. The not so funny part is coming home every night and just trying to keep things from blowing up. 
Just don't bring that topic up because you bring that topic up and the whole house changes. So let's bury it. Let's push it down. Let's not deal with it. So we don't, we can just survive tonight. We'll just play the prevent defense. We're not going to be so aggressive. We're not going to be so offensive in our life that we drive in to save this relationship, to deeply at all costs save this relationship. Around here, we're going to ask people, if you're all in, many of you are playing defense, relationally, physically, financially, spiritually. You're, you're, I know it. I know what it's like. I'm there. I've been there. And this is, I, I'm, I'm not a priest. I can tell you, I, I'm, I'm there. You come to church and you go, all right, God, here's, here's my to-do list. These are all the things I need this week. Done, done, done. Check those off, will you, God? Let me know. Progress. Progress report, God. How are these? How's my mom? How's this? It's not all for me. It's other people, too. And I'm you know, God has, and then you go, you know what, God, I, I know I've been messing up on those things, and you, you feel like you're, you're playing defense with your life spiritually. You're just going, I'm just trying not to sin. I'm just trying to not mess up in my life. I want you to know you're meant for more than that. You're meant for more than that. And emotionally, we're going to talk about how to play offense. We're going to talk about digging down deep into our lives and pulling out the stuff in our lives that does not belong. So many of us, and yeah, I'm talking to you, so many of us, have junk in our life that we just keep pushing down. And we think it's not surfacing, but it's killing the people we love and the people around us. And we're going to get it out around here. We're going to stop playing the pre-event defense. And I'm going to mix metaphors. Because here's what Paul talks about. Check this out. Next slide. Oh, one more. One back there. There you go. It's a full-court press. Now, that's a basketball term. But I love the full-court press. What I hate is that you're usually behind when you start it. But in basketball, it's the fourth quarter. It's the end of the game usually because you can't keep it up the whole game. But it's this aggressive, I'm going to get the ball from you. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not just sitting back on my heels waiting. And Paul says this, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. Paul, Paul actually uses a phrase there that comes from horse racing. He says, I press on, I move. It's like this horse's neck is stuck out across the finish line in front of the others. Like I'm just, I'm pushing on whatever I can do. I've been praying for you this week, moms and dads who are here with their babies. Grandparents, your babies too. You change their diapers, they're your baby, I'm going to tell you. So dads, that means get on it. That's what I'm saying. But I, I've been praying you th- this week that you wouldn't, Play defense with these little babies. Don't just try to protect them. Don't just change their diapers, get them to bed. Have another day. You drive into their life. You be offensive in their lives. I've been praying for you all week that you would press on in their lives, that you would push. Next slide. Because here's what I've seen over and over again, and many of you have seen this too. If you're a high school student or a college student or that age um, in the room, I, I want you to know this is a huge issue in your life. It happens to everyone. At some point, we all make changes, drastic changes. People call it the spiritual tipping point. And it's this moment when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. You know what I mean? When, let me give you an example. I've got a really good friend who's been addicted to pornography, pornography as long as there's been an internet. He just couldn't, from the very beginning of the internet. And he has told me three different times in his life, he's come to me and said, I, I've got this addiction. 
I'm ready to stop. And my answer is this. He's tried a lot of different things. He's tried programs. He's tried praying. He's tried a lot of different things. And I said, well, I got a, a really good way for you to stop. Do you need to tell your wife? Well, well, you know, I, I don't, well, well, maybe I'll try some other things. Well, no, you want to stop? Yeah, at all costs. You need to tell your wife. Well, I, I don't, three different times we've had this conversation. Three months ago, his wife found out. I don't know how it's taken her this long, but she found out. It's a tipping point. <laughs> Guess who's changed? Guess who's been three months without pornography in his life? But do you know how much harder it is when your wife finds out than before she finds out? It's hard either way, but when you can go and you can say, honey, I'm dealing with this, so much different than her finding out and you all of a sudden confessing everything she just knew. It's a tipping point. I've got friends that have been living together for 22 years. Christian friends have been living together for 22 years. Really good Christian friends that just never wanted to get married, never, they've been having sex for 22 years and not been doing it God's way. They just haven't. And their relationship has been busted over and over and over and over again. And finally, it's hit this tipping point. And they finally said, we've got we to do this right. And so they're getting married, and everything is changing. They're, they're, things are getting better for them, but there is this baggage. Don't wait for the tipping point. Don't wait for the tipping point. What we're hoping is during this series that you can start to be proactive with some of this stuff, that you can start to attack and stop being defensive. Because here's the thing. God is jealous. You know this about God? God is incredibly jealous, and he puts this thing in us. L listen to this, Exodus chapter 34, 14. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, the capital J, is a jealous God. He's not just jealous. According to this, this piece of Scripture, he's jealous, jealous. <laughs> he is a jealous, jealous God, and you, be you belong to him. He created you to belong to him. You know, something happened when I got married. I stood um, on the stage with my wife, and there was this just an amazing moment. I mean, I, Sarah's getting married next Saturday. This is going to happen on the stage, and, and I'm, I'm performing the ceremony, and something, when you say this is, this is the way I want to do my life, and you, you put God in the middle of it, something changes. It makes you different, and God says it, it makes two people one, and when you get to that point, this is why I, I'm a, I consider myself a lover, not a fighter, but when it comes to my wife, I would to the death because of this jealousy. And it's not this anger. It's not jealousy because she thinks Brad Pitt's good looking. It's not that kind of jealousy. It's jealousy for anything that can provide my wife happiness other than me. You know what I mean? In fact, I have a spiritual problem with this. I see Risha getting her what she's supposed to be getting from God, and at times I'm like, I wish I could provide for her like that. This is a serious issue for me, and something that Risha and I have talked about a lot. I've never, I, never get argue, I never get angry, really. I never argue. I never yell and scream. But, man, my wife had a scenario. happened to her a couple years ago with a vendor. Um, she went in to, to have this thing done, and I won't mention it because it was in Bloomington. It was a terrible situation. Um, and the vendor ended up calling my wife a liar. And i got to tell you, you can call me a liar, but she is the most honest person I've ever known in my life. And it tripped this thing in me. And I'm really good with words. I mean, that's what I do for a living. And I, I just totally tore this guy up verbally, completely tore him up. I think he was crying when I left, and I liked it. I never felt that way. 
And uh, we were driving home, and Risha was just shocked. I mean, she was, she's never seen that side of me. She's never, she didn't want that. She didn't, she didn't, it wasn't a hero, hero moment for her. Like, knight in shining armor, I'm going to come and rip this guy a new one. It was her going, yeah, I don't like that. That's not the guy I married. In fact, she said, where did that come from? And my answer, somewhere deep. Somewhere deep in me, there is jealousy. And I think a part of it, the good part of it, the part that comes from passionate, desperate love comes from God himself. He is desperately, passionately in love with you. And you know what? This is so crazy. There is not another one like you. And I don't mean that in like the uh, Bible bookstore plaque kind of a way. I mean this absolutely literally. No one has ever looked, acted, or been built the way you have been built. He built you. He wants to reclaim you. Individually, he has a different relationship. Somebody just asked me recently, do you love your kids? This was somebody at church. Do you love your kids equally? And I had to think about it. No. I do not love my kids equally. I love my kids differently. Completely differently. 100% differently. Differently. I don't love my... I, live, I love London 100% and Reese 100%. There's not 50% for each. It doesn't work that way. And I want you to know it's the same way God feels about you. If... 30 years from now, and this is what I've been praying for some of you parents today. This is what I pray every day. I pray that God would lead my family and that my kids would love me. That they would love him and they would love me. Because I can't think of anything worse than my kids not loving me someday in my life, later down the road. And if one of them does and one of them doesn't, think that's going to be okay with me? And I want you to know today that as God looks down at you, he doesn't throw you away any more than I would throw my kid away. He doesn't look and go, well, some of them do, some of them don't. Guess that's how it is. He is desperately pursuing you. And if you leave here today, you don't believe in him, doesn't matter to him. If you leave in here today and you do the same stupid thing you've been doing over and over and over again that's far from him and far from what he wants for your life, doesn't matter to him. He's going to pursue you always at all costs. And as we study through this series and as we go through this all-in series, you need to know that this is what God intends for you. He intends for you, for you to give him everything. Here's what Jesus says. Check this out. I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I want you to know this is not, there have been books written about this, Jesus spitting people out of his mouth. This is not the way Jesus taught. He didn't say something like this so we can deconstruct it and know what he meant. What he was doing was he probably had something in his mouth. And like I might do with you, he, he might have said, hey, you, you see this milk right here. You take this milk out of the refrigerator, and it tastes great. I love it. Love cold, nothing better than a cold glass of milk, almost frozen, you know? When I was a kid, I'd play basketball in the 100-degree weather, and I'd be so hot outside, and be awful. Everybody would be reaching for a glass of water or pop. I wanted a glass of cold milk. Still love a glass of cold milk. Some people love a glass of hot milk. Love a glass of hot milk. It makes you go to sleep or whatever. That's what hot chocolate is. Come on. Just a little chocolatey. But nobody wants a glass of milk that's been sitting out. That lukewarm, nasty, gross flavor and feeling. And Jesus probably picked something up. He was sitting around with a bunch of guys. He probably picked something up and he took a sip of it and everybody went, oh, I almost did it this morning. You know how I like to have 
physical things. I was afraid I'd throw up all over the stage if I drank a glass of milk that's been sitting out all day up here. And everybody probably went, Jesus, oh, and he went, you're right. That's the way I feel if you're not all in. So I'm going to tell you this this morning. You can think of this as just another sermon if you want. You can think of this as just another uh, hyperbole that the preacher um, is, is trying to get me to think through. But I want you to know this. This is what the Bible talks about. If you leave here today and you don't choose and pursue being all in, you've chosen not to be. It's the way the Bible talks about it. You don't drift and you don't accidentally go all in with God. You don't accidentally surrender everything. You don't accidentally say, you know what, God, no matter what in my life, I'm giving my stuff, my life, my relationships, my, my everything to you. So it's time for some things to change. Being all in just flat means change. I put a butterfly up there for a couple of reasons. One, because it's Parent Sunday and the wives need a little oh moment, you know, it's a little, no, that's not why. The reason I did it is because of the butterfly effect. Have you heard of the butterfly effect? Not the movie. There's a movie called Butterfly Effect based on the butterfly effect theory. And it was discovered by this guy who was, cre- was uh, learning about the weather. And he had this weather simulator, which I think would be really cool. Basically, you can go in, you can simulate storms and tornadoes and earthquakes and all different kinds of things. You can, you can simulate this, this stuff. And this was his life. And he would put in these different parameters um, into the simulator, and it would do things like the wind would blow at different directions and different speeds, and it would, it would allow him to be able to see what the weather's doing and kind of gives him a way to study it. Well, one day he went into the office, and he, he's got this number that he's plugged in for the wind over and over and over again, the same number. It's about 20 different characters long, and his thought when he walked into the room that day was, well, what if I just plugged in the first three? You know, and I'm not a math guy, so I don't know how big a difference that is, but he left off the last 15 or so numbers of this, this number that he was using this decimal that he was using for this, in, um, for the wind blowing in, in his, um, his little environment. And he left, and he, he let the computer do its thing. And when he got back, there were these incredibly violent tornadoes, these just crazy violent tornadoes going on in his environment. It was destroying all of his stuff, and he couldn't believe what had happened. He had just, just altered these t- tiny little numbers, and they had made such a big difference. And when he stopped it, he started doing some calculations, and he realized that the, in the wor- real-world scale, that the number that he, didn't, he neglected to put in that tiny little number was about the equivalent of a butterfly fluttering its wings on earth. Now, this is really cool. You didn't expect to hear this at church today. Butterfly flaps its wings once, and it puts out a little tiny puff of air. That puff of air will and can be the catalyst for a tornado. This is the butterfly effect, and scientists have created it, or have have created um, more and more opportunities to study it and to, to prove that this is an absolute thing that happens in our world, that one flap of a butterfly wing can have catastrophic um events and, and can cause all kinds of things in life. And I want you to know today that if you walk out of here, and this is what I've been, I've been praying this week, and I kind of got a cold chill and I prayed about this this morning. I said, God, wh- wh- what if the butterfly effect started today at New Life? What if today, God, if every person in this room just changed one tiny bit, just a little bit. Now, I'm talking about going all in, and that's where we're headed. But I want you to know that just the most minute change, God has created this in, in, in our world, just the most minute change in you can have an effect on everything in your life. You are one choice away 
from changing everything. I believe that with all my heart. It means, going all in means changing. It just does. It means changing your mind. Romans 12 says this, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It means changing your mind. It also means choosing a different path, changing your habits. It means absolutely changing your habits, just getting better at what we do. Now, I've been asked this question a lot lately, and I'm going to be continue to ask it, so I'm just going to say what I believe is the answer right here, right now today, okay, so you can hear this. Um, We've had a big conversation going on on Facebook, and it's gotten into my email and even gotten into some of my spam because of words in it. Um, It's gotten really uh, heated when we talk about cussing. We've talked, uh, been talking a lot about it, and we're going to talk about it in this Habits. What, what, what is cussing, and how important is it, is it to God, and why should we, or why shouldn't we, and why is it not a big deal for some people and a big deal for other people? Check this out. Jesus says this. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I, I want you to know around here that one of the things we're going to hit really hard are our habits that maybe aren't the worst thing in the world, but aren't leading us to good things. You know the words that we use, those, those words that come to our mind first? My son's got one right now. It drives me nuts. And it's not a cuss word, at least not in our terms, but it drives me nuts. He, he, he's using the word hate a lot. I hate that. I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. And I, I just I dislike the word. I just don't like the word because of, not because it's a bad word. I mean, it's, it's a four-letter word. No, it's a five-letter word. But it's, it's not the word, it's the attitude, right? It's this thing that it starts in him, and about, about I guess it was about a month ago, he started using it, and it just became a habit. Reese, do you want green beans? I hate green beans. I'm like, well, that was weird. I should probably say, hey, Reese, we don't, don't use that word. That's an ugly word. But I didn't, and I'm like, there's people over, and I don't need to say it. We'll just kind of ignore it, forget it happened. Well, then I was in the other room, and I hear him upstairs. London said, hey, Reese, you want to play a game? I hate that game. And I was downstairs, and the game was on, and I didn't, you know, with my kids, they get playing, and you don't poke the skunk, you know what I mean? You know, you just let them play, and they, everything was going well, so I'm like, you know what, I'll just forget about it. I'm sure it was no thing, and I thought, well, he's done it twice, I probably should. And then, last week, he, London, he kind of kicked his face while they were playing, it wasn't hard, it wasn't bad, and he turned over and kind of grabbed his eye, and he said, I hate you. Oh, boy. And we had a major discussion and a major talk, and tears came down his eyes. And we, we got to talk, and the more we talked, and the more he was like, Dad, and he even said it once, Dad, you've heard me say that word before. You never told me it was wrong. Oh, man, I blew it. I blew it with that. He's right, over and over and over, because it wasn't convenient for me, and it wasn't really that big a deal. And I want you to know, I feel the same way about those of us in this room who have these mouths that are left over from our former life. Sometimes it can be cute. Sometimes it can be funny. Sometimes it really is like the best word to use to say how I'm feeling. But we got to change it. Not because it's the worst thing you can do, but because of where it's leading your head, where it's leading your habits. we got to change it. That's part of what we're going to do. We've got to make these small changes. And this is the butterfly effect. If you leave this room today, maybe you've got a cussing problem. Almost all of us in this room do. So don't for, don't for a minute think I'm preaching right at you today, okay? I am. I'm preaching at all y'all and me. We all have this problem. Maybe it's not the F-bomb, although some of you got that one too. But it's something. 
I'm going to ask you today, the butterfly effect, find one word to eliminate from your vocabulary today. You won't believe what it will do to your life. You won't believe the butterfly effect it has on your life when you begin to remove that. And when you do, it brings momentum to your life. You'll go, oh my gosh, I got rid of that and it changed my heart and it changed this and this and this. I'm going to get rid of this one, this one, this one, this and pretty soon you got a whole list of those words. And I'm telling you, it's a butterfly effect. We have to, if we're going to be all in, we have to change our habits. If we're going to be all in, we have to change our path. Check this out. My son, don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my words for they will add to you many days and years of life and peace. Those of you who've been praying and asking me about peace, write this piece of scripture down. These words will add to your peace. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them upon, upon your heart so you will find favor and good understanding in the eyes of God and men. There's this obedience that has to change if we're all in. This going on the right path, doing the right thing at all costs, every time. My, uh, my grandmother is an incredible cook. We call her mom um, She's in her 80s. She's got more energy than I do. I think she could run a marathon. Um, amazing woman. She's made these sugar cookies my whole life. Um, just these amazing little sugar cookies, and they're just nothing. They're just... But when I went to college, I was so desperate for mom sugar cookies. I took them for granted, and I called her one day, and I said, i got to have some sugar cookies. She said, well, I'll put some in the mail for you, honey. And I thought, well, but I want them right now. <laughs> you know, like, next day is not fast enough. And so she put some in the mail, and then she said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the recipe. You can do it. I'm a college student in a dorm room. So I'm, like, in the bathroom, you know, getting water out of the sink, and I'm trying to, do, and I'm cooking the stuff in the microwave. I mean, by the time it was done, I was like, this is not, not even close. And I called my mom back, and I said, Mom, I, these cookies are awful. And she was almost offended. She said, my cookies are amazing. Everybody loves them. And I said, well, these aren't your cookies. These are awful cookies. And she said, well, let's go down through the recipe. What would you do? I said, well, I, you know, you said to, use, to refrigerate the, the batter first, right? And I see that on, once I get the, re, the batter done, I've got to refrigerate it. She goes, yeah? I said, well, I don't have a refrigerator, so I just kind of set it outside. It's kind of cold outside for a while. She's like, John, stop. Try it again, follow the recipe, and call me back. We had that conversation 15, 20 times. Never got the cookies right. You know why? Because I didn't follow the stupid recipe. I finally got a phone call from her, and she's just going, Hey, dummy, don't expect my mom cookies if you're not making my mom cookies. You're making John cookies, and I don't want anything to do with John cookies. And if my wife were here, she would say, amen. <laughs> I can tell you this right now. You want peace. You want hope. You want joy. You want a daughter and a son and a grandson and a granddaughter who make the right choices and don't do the same stupid things you did. You want a life and a house that feels different than your neighbors. You want financial freedom in your life. You want physical understanding of what it means to have peace and joy in your life. Then I want you to know you've got to start making God's cookies in your life. You've got to start following the recipe. Too many of us are coming to the back of that room and praying with me going, where's the peace? And I'm going, well, did you follow the re- Are you doing things God's way? Well, no. Well, my marriage is a mess. Well, are you doing life together God's way? No. 
My relationships are falling apart. Are you having sex before you're married? Yeah, but I was just kind of thinking that the life would taste the same, even if I just changed a few of the recipes. No! If you want mom-mom cookies, you've got to follow the recipe. God has given you a path. He has given you a path. And in 2014, starting today, if you want to be all in, you can get there. But it means following the recipe. I'm going to pray in just a minute, a few minutes, over the families, over the kids, moms, dads. And we're going to come up here just so you know that. And you can start thinking about it. Yeah, You can do it. It's not a big deal. I do it every week. I'm going to get you up here, and I'm going to pray over you. But the truth is, I can pray all I want. And your grandparents and friends can pray all they want and help all they want. But what your child needs most is the recipe and some accountability. Okay, next slide. Finally, it means sacrifice. The band, you guys can start to come up. This was an amazing thing. Jesus had this party, and just so you know, Jesus... Jesus' parties were different than most Christian parties. The Pharisees actually threw this party, and they invited Jesus to it. And that meant it was probably going to be a pretty boring party because the Pharisees were really boring people, and they were, they were legalistic rule followers who made, a, made up their own rules. And so Jesus goes to this party, and when he gets to this party, it's a very boring, stiff party, and they're all sitting around the table. And a woman comes in who is a prostitute, which, by the way, she was not invited to the party. <laughs> This party of people that are rule keepers and supposed to be religious people didn't invite a prostitute, and they're appalled that she walks in, and Jesus says, no, let her come in, and she comes in with this jar. It's called an alabaster jar. If you've been a Christian, if you follow the Bible, you've heard the story before, but maybe you've never heard it like this. She takes this, this jar, and a couple of the disciples start whispering to each other, do you know what that is? And it's, it's this jar of perfume, and it's made of this stuff that is, was very, very rare at the time and incredibly expensive. Probably her entire life, financially, in this bottle. But it smells so good and it's so attractive that it was a big part of her prostitution. She put it on her and it made guys want her. And it was just part of who she was. And she had followed Jesus and found Jesus in her life. And so she took this jar of perfume. And all the disciples were going, man, if we could just sell that. Do you know how much ministry we could get done? That's what the disciples were thinking, and the Pharisees, the people who were throwing the party, were going, get this prostitute out of our good Christian party. And Jesus said, hey, come this way. (laughs) So she did. She took this perfume, and I'm sure everybody, maybe even including Jesus, thought she was just going to take a little bit and dab it and give it to Jesus or do something. And she took the bottle, and there was this moment where she went, well, I... I could give a little bit, and Jesus would probably say, well, that was nice. Or I could just go all in. She took the entire bottle, poured it on Jesus. And some on her hair and began to wipe his feet with it and worship him. She went all in. And at the end, a whole bunch of guys, disciples just kept going, this is a ridiculous waste of money. And the Pharisees are going, get this woman out of here. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, I love this, he ignored all the idiots. He said, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, again, he ignored all the idiots. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
I'm going to ask you today if you're all in. It's sacrifice. Now, you may not even know what it means yet. It's what we're going to study. It's how we're going to deal. It's, it's a perfect day for you to do this when we brought our little babies in this place to go, yes, I'm all in. I'll give you an opportunity today to stop playing defense with your life. To start the butterfly effect. Just make one small change today that will lead to being all in. I'll give you a chance today to ask God if he will give you that same gift that he gave this woman. When she, was, when she came all in, she said, God, everything I have is yours. Here it is. I, I think of the, the smell to her. It's prostitution. That bottle represented the junk, the old stuff in her life that she didn't want to be a part of anymore. She poured it out. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you just need to go, God, all this stuff in my life, I need to get it out. I need to get it out of the open and get rid of it. Whatever you've got today, right now is your chance. One change. One change today. And start the butterfly effect. Would you stand with us? I'm going to go to that back corner. If you want to pray together, I'll be there waiting for you.